Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Kellyanne. She is the founder and CEO of Women Empowerment Junkie Podcast and Invincible Her Abuse Recovery Coaching. How are you doing today, Kelly? I'm great. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, Kelly, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today and share your story. I appreciate you taking the time out to be here today and and share your journey with us. Absolutely. would love to. So, Kelly, as mentioned, you're the founder and CEO of Women Empowerment Junkie Podcast and Invincible Her Abuse Recovery Coaching. You are also studying neuro-linguistic programming. You also serve with the Valley Oasis Council on Domestic Abuse. You have a hell of a lot going on. How do you prioritize and find the time to fit it all in? Oh, my gosh. I actually, honestly, Brad, had to scale back a little bit because it was (laughs) just so much. I mean, I love being on the board or... I was on the board of the Valley Oasis Domestic Abuse Council. Um, Now I'm just a volunteer whenever they need me because I think it's such an important um, thing in our community to do, but it was taking up so much of my time from my regular corporate job and from my other coaching and my podcast. I actually had to just scale it down from my own personal uh, peace of mind, I guess you would say. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was a lot, (laughs) but I love it. I love what they're doing and I love the people that work there. How long have you been a coach? I started coaching, I want to say 2019, and I always knew I wanted to do more. It took me a while to narrow down my niche of what I wanted to do and how it would my coaching would look. So I, I just started in 2019. COVID kind of locked it down a little bit, but I'm up and running again, and it's actually been really powerful. And I look forward to, you know, taking charge of these women's lives and, you know, having them live the life they've always wanted and handle the triggers that come up so they can move forward. Love it. Why did you decide to focus your energy and business on helping to empower women in this particular area of working with women who have been victims of abuse? Did this journey begin with your own personal struggles? You know, I thought about this question a lot yesterday and I could just say, yes, it started after my abuse, but you know what? Thinking back, Growing up, um, it was a lot of verbal abuse in my house with my stepfather and verbally abusing my mother. So, you know, as a child, you kind of take that in, but you don't think too much about it. Honestly, Um, it's in your subconscious. And then you realize you get as an adult, how you react to that and how you see it. But in my own personal journey, it was, you know what? My mom put up with a lot of stuff and she never said anything. And I realized I don't want to be like that. I want to be able to use my voice. But yeah, it did. It started in childhood. But what really triggered me to, to pivot uh-huh. was the abuse in 2011. Can you talk to us a bit about your own personal story and struggles, if you don't mind? Yeah, no problem. Um, 
so I left my, I had two boys, amazing kids. Um, I left their father in 2012, a couple months after that. I, I, the reason I left was I didn't know who I was. It was always, you know, their mother. I was always the wife, but I was never Kelly. I didn't know who I was. And it was a total selfish thing. I will totally admit it to leave and um, co-parent with him with the kids. But I did. I left. And a couple months into leaving, I met this other gentleman who was obviously, you know, the sweetest person ever and said all the right things and was just like, oh, my God, this is amazing, you know, as we all do. Um, And then we got married. And then it was six years of just abuse. And I couldn't get out. And I was always a person before all this happened that was like looking at women who were in abusive relationships, saying to them in my head, just get the F out. Why don't you just leave? You you, you can swear. It's okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah. Get the fuck out. But then it's like, once you're in it, I realize that it's not that easy. You, you, You can't, you know, I mean, after I left, I saw the red flags, but in it, I thought, you know, I was protecting my kids because he would always say, you leave me, I'm going to kill you and kill your kids. So in my head, wow. I was like, okay, I have to stay. I have to stay to protect my kids. Um, but of course you have to have that mentality where you, you have to be strong enough and you can't, someone can't tell you to just leave and be strong until you come to that point as different for every woman where they finally get to that point where they know they have to leave. You know, yeah. I just wasn't strong enough. at that. I, I'm sure that a lot of people have thought that it's like, well, why don't you just fucking leave? Like, what's the yeah. big deal? Just leave. Yeah. But you don't know what that person's dealing with. You don't know what they're going through. Yeah. I mean, I, I stayed to keep the peace and to keep from getting hurt. It's a vicious cycle. The mind games and manipulation are just horrendous. And no one knows that behind closed doors because what they portray on the outside is not what they portray when they're behind closed doors. Right. People don't believe you when you say you're being abused or, you know, this is happening because their persona is the perfect, perfect person on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're keeping up appearances in front of other people. Absolutely. They would never lead someone to believe that anything like that's going on. Yeah, it's true. So what was the breaking point or light bulb moment for you then with your own personal story where you said, okay, that's enough. I've got to just, that's it. I have to stop and start taking care of myself here. I have to put myself first. I think it was the final hospital stay. Jeez. Um, but I, beyond that, I think it was the look on my oldest son's face when he saw me beaten and bruised in the hospital. He was just turning 16 the next day. And I saw his face and it was a mixture of being pissed off and wanted to kill this guy. Yeah, and, I'm sure. And I wasn't there to help my mom. So he had all these emotions running through and I saw his face and I think about it now and it still makes me tear up because I, I want to say I did this. I, I stayed and I put my children through this, even though they were not the ones who abused, they saw their mother. Yeah. You know, and he said to me years later, mom, you know why I'm in therapy and you know why I have anxiety. I'm like, no, you never told me. And I didn't want to pry. Mm-hmm. He says, because that night I couldn't help you. Wow. You know, and they kind of hit home, but that was the, that was the pivoting moment where I saw his face. I was like, I, I got to leave. I left with nothing. Yeah. I wanted nothing. I just left. You just wanted to get out. That's it. Just out. Yeah. And it was years after that, it, he was still stalking and you know, all that stuff after that, but we made it through. 
And what I tell my kids now is because he still has his anxiety attacks. I I'm safe. We're safe. Mm-hmm. And we're better off, even though yeah. it was a shitty thing that happened. It made us all stronger and we are yeah. very close. So how did you overcome your personal struggles? How did you deal with it? Getting out of that obviously was the first step. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Not abuse is not funny when I say no. that. Not ha ha funny, but in, no, I know. <laughs> in the way of, oh gosh. So I, I didn't do therapy. I, w- I, ty- I was a type is like, you know what? I can just do it on my own. Let's just forget about it. You know, but the triggers were always there. So I think for me, um, I lost all of my family and friends that were removed from your life when you're with an abuser or a narcissist, you know, they turn family against you. So I had nobody to turn to, honestly, you know, it was just me. And I had to forgive him, not for what he did, but forgive him to move forward. So it was a lot of internal struggle. I had my own coach helping me and um, we just got through a lot of talking, a lot of talking with, with my kids about it. I think Mm -hmm. he was all. Communication is key for sure. Yeah. Now, so you, you said you had no one you could turn to as an out for help or outlet. So, I mean, yes, you, you talked with coaches and therapy. How, how have these experiences helped shape the Kelly you are today? Do you think? You know, one of my friends, it's funny. We say that we talk about this a lot because um, a lot of my new, my friends are, have been through similar situations, but you have your, we, we kind of break up our life into chunks. Like, you know, one to five, you have this lifetime and then you have this lifetime where certain things happen in your life. So we kind of chunk it up into different lifetimes, Yeah, uh-huh. you know? And, um, but one of the things that shaped me was actually the abusive relationship. It made me come out of my shell, made me find my voice. Cause I didn't have it growing up. I was always right. told not to talk, not to speak. So I was always like, I had the disease to please. I didn't want confrontation. I just wanted to keep the peace not say anything, not get hurt, not get beat. So I never said anything. Yeah. I didn't use my voice, but I think after that, I was like, you know what? I, I need to use my voice. I need, we've had a voice. It's finding your voice. Yes. There you go. That's, that's it right there. And I did. I'm like, I'm not taking shit from anybody. I'm not even, you know, if there's even one inkling of a red flag, I I'm, I'm done Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. out the door. See you later. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> it took me a long time. And I just want to say this though, but for the first, I think year, maybe year and a half when, when I left and I was on my own, I had my own place. Um, yeah. There were times when he was stalking and he had actually broken into my house, but it was, Holy shit. oh gosh. Yeah. But it was a lot of looking behind the bushes and looking down the street. I was always aware of my surroundings. Like where yeah. is he today? You know, is he following me? Is he stalking? What's he doing? And, um, it took me a good year and a half to stop doing that. Wow. That that's no way to live. That's got to, that had to have been horrible. Always looking over your shoulder. Yeah, it it was bad, you know, and, and as bad as that was, we did get through it. And, and I don't want people to think you have to move because you want to be away from abuse, and it shouldn't take them abusing you to make you move. They're the ones that did it to you and you shouldn't have to change your life. But in this sense, I did. I had to move. I had to get out of there for my own peace of mind to not do that, to not look over my shoulder every day. Yeah. Now I assume you're a big advocate of self-love and body positivity. And of course, women's empowerment. Can you speak a bit about what those things mean to you on a personal level? 
Yeah. I love self-love. I mean, I never used to, I struggled big time growing up, always felt like I was not good enough, was told I was not good enough. And of course you absorb all that in as a kid and you grow up thinking that that's the way it is. You're not good enough. Um, but now I don't care. I mean, I, I honestly don't care if you like me or not. Um, I don't, you can't rely on anyone to make yourself happy. That's, that's, that's an attachment. Yeah. Attachments don't make you happy, whether it's people or materialistic things. So you have to find a balance and something that makes yourself happy, you know, yourself, love yourself. And I know that there's going to be believers and haters in the whole movement, but, you know, I just have to say being brave enough to say no and to stop and rest. If anyone in your life is not okay with that, they're not your people. If they're going to be that way with you, you know, so I had to get rid of that disease to please all the time and do things for me. That's, that's what it starts with. It all starts with self. That's the foundation for all of it, for everything. We do. We have our days. I mean, I have my days like being positive, Mm -hmm. but you just have to shine a light on you that you don't have to to be everything or to everyone every day. You didn't sign up for that. You have to love your body. We're perfectly imperfect. Embrace it. Yeah, for sure. Now let's talk a little bit about the media's part in all of this in terms of women's empowerment and self-love and body positivity. I mean, to me, the way the media uses those words, it's almost like they've turned them into um, buzzwords or the cool words to be using and saying, yeah. uh, would you agree that the media has played a big part in that? And do you think it's taken in a direction where these words no longer hold the same value or power, power is the word I'm looking for, hold the yeah. same power as they used to because of how media has just kind of yeah. Overused them, I guess, for lack of a better term. Yeah, I think so to a point. I mean, the media takes things out of proportion and sensationalizes a lot of stuff for sure. Mm-hmm. But there's also the good part of it where yeah. they are getting the buzzwords out there. But it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing thing. And the media, and it's whether it's TV or magazines, still portrays the perfect woman to be this size zero perfect Mm -hmm. feature and so women and girls today still think they have to look like that yeah you know and i think we as mothers and aunts and grandmas or etc need to let girls and daughters know that we are strong women and we're born and raised to be and we're stronger sex because we earned it and beauty is is in the way you hold yourself how you treat people in the way you love and self-acceptance but yes i think the media has helped to a point. I mean, the buzzword, like I said, the buzzwords are out there, uh-huh. but I still think a lot of work needs to be done. What that actually means. To- For sure. I, I think more fathers need to get involved in that aspect and teaching our daughters that, you know what, you don't need all this shit. Don't buy into the bullshit in the media yeah. and you don't have to be a size zero. You just have to be you. And Good point. all of that, I think, Again, this is going back to self, starting with self, but all of that, I think as parents, I think we need to instill these values in our kids from a very young age and keep hammering that into them that, you know what, you don't need to worry about that shit. You just be you, you be authentically you. you. And if we do that from when they were a young age and keep reiterating that to them, they'll just grow up knowing it and it'll be part of it in their DNA. They'll just grow up believing it, knowing it because I totally believe that the more you tell someone something, the more they believe it. Absolutely. And I, I had this one client one time that 
she was a young girl and she didn't believe in herself. And I said, one of the things that helped me when I first was going through this and had a coach and she's like, you know what? You have all women have a, a tube of lipstick, take that tube of lipstick right on your bathroom mirror. I'm beautiful. I'm worthy. Whatever you think it means to you. And you see that shit every day and yeah. you believe it and you say it. And it's, that's what it is, is you have to believe it. You have to say it and you have to, you have to live it. Yeah, for sure. You know, and not buy into all that. Yeah. 100%. So speaking of empowerment, what does that word mean to you? Yeah. I love this. Um, for me, it means a lot of things, but it means raising a woman up to speak, using my voice to say no, when I want to, to kick ass in a man dominated mm -hmm. field. Um, to be brave and confident in every aspect of my life, find my passion and, and run with it no matter what anyone says. I think most women tend to shy away and not use their voice and, and not speak up and always say yes. It's okay to say no if you want to say no. Yeah. And you don't need an explanation. Yeah. That's say no. Right. But, I, yeah. but I love it. I love it empowering women. And I, and I'm really happy with myself where I've come a long way in the last 10 years. Good for you. I think that's awesome. I had this conversation with someone a little while back and we were talking about having the courage and the strength to say no, and not even, not even around empowerment or anything. Just, I guess that would be around self-empowerment yeah. and self-love is just having the courage to say no to people and not having to give an, an explanation. It's like, she said, I would, I would tell someone, she said, I learned that I've got to start saying no. And she said, when I started doing that, I would tell someone no. And it's like the person I was speaking to was waiting for an explanation. It's like, <laughs> I don't have to give an explanation. It's just no, that's it. Right. No, absolutely. 100% but we feel agree. we have to give an explanation though. It's, it's so like funny. Saying, yeah. It's like saying you're sorry. Like, what are you sorry for? Don't say you're sorry. But like, thank you for the feedback. I'll work harder next time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I think that's so funny. But yeah. there is a lot of power in that two letter word. Right. Yeah. And and I think what it is for me, honestly, because if I said no growing up, oh my God, it was like a nightmare in my house. Like you don't tell me, no, you do what I told you to do and yeah. you don't say nothing about it. So it was really hard for me to get to that point too. Soon. Yeah. Yeah. So as previously mentioned, you're the founder and CEO of the women empowerment junkie podcast. Can you tell us a bit about the podcast? Yeah, sure. Uh, Women's empowerment junkie started off um, with just me and my two girlfriends, two of my best friends, um, we started off just kind of like, we didn't know where it was going to go, but we knew we wanted to reach women. So we started off just having, you know, open conversations about anything and everything in our lives and what's been happening. And then it just kind of evolved to let's, let's have some guests. Let's talk to some women and see, find out their stories and see if we can help them and talk to them. And then COVID hit and, um, they could no longer do the show with me. They were doing other things, obviously in their own lives. So it turned out where I was just kind of reaching out. And I love the fact that I can just put a message out there and say, anybody who wants to share their journey, whatever that looks like for you, I'm not here to judge anybody or, you know, nobody's on trial, but if you want to share your story and get it out there, then hit me up. And I've had women all over the world want to share their story on my podcast. Amazing. That's incredible. It's, yeah. It's so incredible. I've, I mean, I've cried with, with women who just have these unfathomable stories that just, yeah. you just don't even think that shit happens. And it does. There's a lot of power in sharing your story because I think that when you share your story, it gives other people permission to stand up and share theirs. It gives them the courage. 
Yeah, that's what I was. Yeah, so it could become someone's lifeboat years from now if they listen to it. You yeah, know, that's right. Yeah. What inspired you to start the podcast? Like, how long ago did you start it? What inspired you to do it? It was something I was thinking about for a while, honestly, Brad. But I, I think more it was it was also for me to heal. Cause I think it's an ongoing journey of healing. I don't think yeah. you're ever going to be fully healed. If I said to you today, I was hundred percent healed. I'd be lying because then I have nothing else, you know, to do. I mean, you're yeah. always healing. You're always a work in progress. Yes, for sure. But by talking to these, these amazing women and you know, there are men, I'm not excluding men. When I talk about this, I'm just, you know, this is my focus, but That's there your are wheelhouse. Men. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's a wheelhouse, but, um, they, their stories inspire me. And when I hear some of their stories, I'm like, man, mine was nothing compared to what you went through, but uh-huh. it's still a healing process for me as well. Yeah. Now you also serve with the Valley Oasis council on domestic violence. Can you speak to us a bit about that and tell us, tell us about the council and what you do for or with them? So right now I'm just, like I said, a volunteer basis. Uh-huh. So we raise money for, so our, the area of Antelope Valley is, a little bit smaller. It's LA County, but it's still further outside the limits of Los Angeles. Okay. Um, so it's pretty small. So we raise money for funding for, for the housing projects and for the children that are there. And we also even have people that go to like the high schools around and talk about abuse in relationships because no one talks about that. Yeah. There uh-huh. is abuse in high school relationships that, you know, young women, even men are not aware of that is happening. Uh-huh and how to talk to them and how to reach out to somebody. So they do a lot of really good work. Um, we do, you know, toy drives at Christmas. We do Halloween. We do all kinds of stuff for the community. And I think it's such a great thing. It's the only place in the Animal Valley, I believe, that actually has shelters. It's not huge. But we do have shelters. Okay. How, how did you manage to get connected with and get involved with the council? One of my girlfriends, um, she also has been through abuse and she knew somebody on the board and they were looking for board members. And so she hit me up and I was like, absolutely. I would love to participate in this. And so her and I went in, we both got on the board and um, we just hit it from there. We started running from there. Amazing. What inspires or lights you up the most about the work you do? For coaching, I think it's that aha moment when I see a woman, finally, you could see it in her face. It's like, oh my God, you know, they just hit that moment where it's like, I understand. I don't need this. I can, I can do whatever I want. I can do, you know, anything I want. I don't have to tell anybody. I don't have to have permission. And they finally have that, that aha moment where, you know, fuck that guy. I don't need anything from him, you know? I think, I think it's just seeing my clients kind of heal themselves and um, yeah, I can just see it. The turnaround is instant. I can see it in their face. Beautiful. What drives or motivates and inspires you to keep going, to keep pushing, pushing and excelling at all that you do. So this one kind of frustrates me because violence is still out there. I mean, Uh it's always there, but it's gotten more prevalent um, domestic abuse and child abuse and all abuse is abuse is abuse, I'm yeah. just say but yeah. it's more prevalent now that COVID hit hard. Yes. And, um, I just can't stop and sit by and do nothing and see nothing changes. And the laws don't protect victims, but the abuser more often than not. I mean, I've uh-huh. seen that happen a lot. The justice system is broken. 
you know, we have to keep fighting to get the word out and, and change it and have a standard procedure for our standard for how someone is, is, you know, sentenced to the, how the court works and believe the victim. If you've got pictures and you've got hospital records and you've got all this stuff, don't ignore it. Yeah. You know, that's what's happening or that's what's happened in a couple of issues that I, I know of that, you know, but fighting to get the word out there that to make a solid plan, it, it not only helps you escape, it helps you not to return to the abuser. A woman honestly will return to an abuser, I think seven times before she actually leaves. And sometimes Holy they don't even shit. make it out. That's, that's seven too many. It's seven way too many, but because everything's taken from them, Brad. Yeah. Their life that they feel like that's all they have. And they're so manipulated into believing that this person loves them because they'll tell them they do, you know, and they'll fake cry and they'll, you know, say all these promises to bring you back and they'll go back because they have nothing left to do. There's no family, there's no friends. So they feel there's no way out, but there is ways out. It's sad. It is. It's horrible. And, and that, that huge mountain of changing the, the justice system and the law, I mean, that's massive in itself and navigating that and, and starting change around that is just, that's a massive undertaking. It's a massive undertaking and there's so much bureaucratic stuff around yeah. that, that and every county, every state, every, you know, little city is different uh-huh. and they yeah. all treat it different and some ignore it and some just, you know, and I honestly, a piece of paper is not going to protect anybody. No, very true. To date, what would you say is your biggest high or your greatest win? The day I left and I'll uh-huh. tell you why. Because awesome. I got my freedom back and uh-huh. I, I felt like I protected my children when I didn't for six years. So we could live. And that was one of the biggest highs. It was tough, but we did it. And um, I honestly, to be honest with you, if I had stayed, I don't think I'd be here today. Wow. You got yourself back. I got myself back. Yeah. Uh-huh. And my kids see that. And my kids see that I'm a stronger person that, and that I've, you know, toughed it out. And I've, and I've been speaking out about it and um, they are inspired. They've gone back to school and they're doing their own thing now too. And and we talk a lot about it, but that was the, that was the high for me. As bad as that sounds coming out of an abusive relationship, that was my high. No, that doesn't sound bad at all. I think that's incredible. It takes, as we talked about, it takes a lot of courage to do it. And you know, like you said, people look at other women, like you yourself did it. I've done it. Like, what the fuck? Just leave. It's not that easy. It it's takes a lot of courage easy. and a lot of strength. So That's the thing too, to you. you have to, you have, and it sounds bad as it is, but you have, you haven't yet been heard enough. And I don't mean it in a bad way. It's just that obviously you're the only one who knows yeah. how much more you can take. And only you know when enough is enough. Yeah, for sure. For sure. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? <laughs> I was laughing at this question because one of my girlfriends said to me a couple months ago, because we were talking about this exact question, like, what is your superpower? What do you think? You know, mm-hmm. and they're like, Kelly, you know what your superpower is? You can see through the bullshit, <laughs> you know? And I was like, wow, you know, but I also have thought, um, cause I've been through it. So it's an advantage for me with my clients because I've been there and I know the hurt and I know the manipulation and I can see the signs and I know the triggers versus I want to say a therapist who 
has never been in that situation doesn't quite know how to reach their their claim. Yeah. How do yeah. you define success? What does that word mean to you? How do I define success? Everyone defines it differently, but mm-hmm. for me, I think it's my healing journey and living my truth every day. Okay. I love that. That's a great definition. Thanks. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after learning it? Oh, three-part question. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think be you unapolog- unapologetically and screw everyone who doesn't like it. They don't, <laughs> they don't walk in your face. That's shoes, awesome. You know, <laughs> honestly, you know, people tell people all the day, every day, just a kind of a quick off topic real quick. My girlfriend came to visit me and she's a, she um, has gained a little bit of weight and she went into a restaurant and this young girl, and I don't think kids have filters anymore. They, she told her, you know, if you would just dress a little better, you wouldn't look so fat. And I was like, whoa, whoa, why would someone say that? And I, I just think that people need to be kinder and just, you know, you don't walk in my shoes. You don't know why I look like this. So exactly. you know, that's horrible. <laughs> I know it, it, it bummed her out all weekend. So I was trying to, you know, you know what? Don't listen. That's just her issue. You're beautiful. You know, so it's a lot of learning. And, um, I, I never, to the second part of your question is I never woke, spoke up, always went with the crowd speaking softly, trying not to get noticed. I never would make eye contact because it was, it wasn't something growing up that I was used to, you know, I, I wasn't allowed to be you know, talk to anybody or have an opinion. So my opinions didn't matter. So when I would, when I was growing up and voicing, I'd spot, speak real softly and they'd be like, what are you talking about? And so I'd be scared. I was saying the wrong thing or that they would judge me. And now I just, I don't fucking care. You know, it's so freeing. It's <laughs> and like that's it. I don't up. fucking care. I don't fucking care. The sky opened up and a ray of gold dust rained down on me. Like God was saying, it's about fucking time, Kellyanne. You know? <laughs> I love it. Oh, gosh. What would you say is one of the best pieces of advice you ever received? Oh, let's see. Uh, If you take care of you, it'll shine out of your face like moonbeams. That was from my grandmother. That's very cool. I've never heard that before. I like that. But also, someone also said to me, can you change the past? No, then don't worry about it. That's true. Nothing you can do about it, right? You can't. No, not at all. And I, you know, that's a good lesson that I teach my kids that, you know, my oldest one was having issues. And he's like, you know, I should have never done that in, you know, 2015, 16, whatever he was talking about. And I said, you know what, honey? I said, you can't go back and change it, but I'm going to tell you right now, at that moment, when you made that decision in 2000, whatever it was, it was right for you at that moment. That's it. Yeah, We all have regrets later on, but you can't change the past. That's right. You can't. So move on. I mean, move on. there's a reason our windshields are bigger than our rear view mirrors. I just heard that yesterday. I love yeah. that quote. Yeah. <laughs> What's one of your favorite quotes? What's one of my favorite quotes? The best gift you were ever given to give someone is the permission to feel safe in their own skin, to feel mm-hmm. worthy, and to feel likely, to feel like they are enough. It's from Hannah Brencher from the Minds Journal. I love it. How would you like to be remembered? I would like to be remembered. I, I want to say I'm a loving person. I, I have so much love to give. I mean, I love my friends, my family. I love my kids. 
but also it's like, I just love everybody. I mean, I want everybody to feel the love and I have no, I don't have a mean bone in my body. And I just want to be known for this person who just loves everybody. Love it. Okay. We're going to do a little rapid fire section here. Okay. So next grouping of questions just be one, two, three word answer type. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. How would you describe yourself in one word? Loving. Aside from necessities, what's one thing you could not go without? Mascara. That shit's magic. <laughs> <laughs> if you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Kindness. If you came with a warning label, what would yours say? Oh, I swear like a sailor. <laughs> <laughs> What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Sleep. I don't think I've slept in 10 years. <laughs> when you're having a bad day, what do you do to make yourself feel better? I'm having a bad day. What do I do? Oh, retail shopping. That's my go-to. <laughs> All right. It's a bad habit. Shopping therapy. Retail <laughs> therapy, as we call it. <laughs> if you're writing your autobiography, what would the title be? Oh, man, this was a tough one for me. Went back and forth. Um, oh gosh, I would say um, "Child Reborn." Oh, I like that. If you could change one thing about the world, what would you change? The DV abuse laws, domestic violence abuse laws. Money or fame? Neither. Money Early doesn't bo- buy happiness, and no, fame is uncomfortable. That's true. Early bird or night owl? Early bird. If you could set up a billboard anywhere, where would you put it? And what would it say? I would put it on a freeway where everybody can see it every day. And it would say, you are, you are allowed to walk away, make a plan, find help and give that asshole the boot. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Perfect. What is your personal motto? Be you unapologetically. I love that. What's the most recent investment you've made in yourself? I'm going to say my coaching training. Um, I try to take more and more classes on anything I can find that makes me a better person to help my clients. I just try to better myself. Okay. Who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why? This one was tough, but I'm going to say my kids, both my boys and I are very, very close. We talk about everything. There's some things they probably shouldn't tell their mom. But, you know, we do talk about everything and they, they actually inspire me because they're such good humans Mm -hmm. that, you know, I'm like, I want to be like you when I grow up. (laughs) You know, I I think it's funny you say that, that you guys share everything. And I grew up that way too with my mom. I mean, I was basically raised up until my mid to late teens by my mom and my grandmother. And I've, I've had that relationship with my mom where I can share anything and we can, even my friends would, would come over and it was a core group of my yeah. friends and I that hung out with each other and we would call each other's parents, mom and dad, cause we were that close. We'd grown yeah. up together and they could share anything with my parents and vice oh versa. God. I could share with theirs. And I think that's important that kids do have that kind of they relationship. Do. And I, I can't remember the, how many times I've had all of their friends over stay in the night or I would feed them dinner every night or, yeah. you know, it, it, it was amazing. I loved, I loved having all of their friends. Over. Yeah. I think that's a great relationship when you can have that type of relationship with your parents. Yeah. I think it's great. A lot of people, a lot of kids don't have that type of relationship. So I wish there was more. Yeah, for sure. 
if you could sit down and have a one hour conversation with anyone in the world, alive or dead, who would it be and why? My maternal grandmother. I think, you know, as kids, we grow up just thinking, oh, they're just grandparents that they didn't have a life, you know, and when they passed on, you know, I saw pictures and seen stuff that, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, my grandma did this or she had this life because I never thought of her that way as a kid, you know, but I think she has secrets that she could probably tell. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much wisdom there, you know, so much wisdom and why she eloped with my grandpa and why was she thrown out of the will and, you know, all these questions are coming up as an adult. Yeah. What is one of your biggest failures or we'll call it life lessons or teachable moments? And what did you learn from it? Um, full disclosure on this one, it was hard for me to answer this, but I'm going to answer it. Honestly, it was a, when I was in the abusive relationship, he took advantage of all of my finances. And so it was a financial hell when everything broke loose. I mean, he had, he was stealing my car, so they were repossessed and then, you know, all the stuff that he was supposed to be paying bills, he never did. So I learned that I had to fight. I had to call everybody when I left and say, look, I understand that we were married, but here's the proof that he got a car repo in his name and my car. Here's the proof of this, that he did this. Don't come after me. I'll pay half because it's on my credit as well, but you need to actually go after him for this. And I knew it wasn't going to happen. He was never going to pay the bill, but I had to fight. Of course. So one of the lessons is, you know, be, be cognizant of all of that, of your finances and what they're doing and, and just fight, you know, mm-hmm. you can say no, move on, but it's okay to fight for what you want. It was yeah. hard for me and I'm just now getting it back together. Awesome. Well, good for you. I'm happy to hear yeah. that. If you could step into my shoes, what would you have asked yourself that I didn't ask you? Uh, how are you today? And are you still healing? How are you That's today? Fine. And are you still healing? I am very well today. Thank you. And I am still healing. I think I'm a healing every day. I'm a healing. I'm a project in work. Let's just say that. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it ever stops. I don't we're think it ever we're stops. constant work in progress. All of us. We are. I mean, obviously everyone's experiences are very different, but I think we're all continuous works in project progress. I mean, I don't think you ever get to the point where you can say, okay, I'm all good now. Yeah. There was another question too. That was, uh, it was, what is the best version of you if you close your eyes and imagine? Huh. I love That's that. That's a good one. I like that. So I, I, I think my, I'm going to steal that and use that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Take it. It's all yours. My best version is the one where I can quit my corporate job, coach full time and live my life wherever, whenever I want and take my kids along for the ride while still empowering women to do the same. I love it. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? I see this picture of me as a little girl and I'm turned kind of halfway toward the camera and I look miserable. I mean, I really have this look on my face. Like, you know, I don't know what I was thinking at the time, but I don't look happy. Mm -hmm. I must've been maybe 12 or 13 in the picture. I think I would take that little girl's face in my hands and say, love yourself fully. Don't take shit from anyone and use your voice. That's beautiful. That's poetic. I love that. Thanks. Lastly, Kelly, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? Blubbering tears and incomprehensible. (laughs) I, you know, there's so much that you want to say. I don't think 30 seconds would do it, but I would just be a blubbering mess because I don't want to say goodbye to anybody or, you know, see my kids faces if I left. And I, I think I would just be a blubbering mess. 
<laughs> All right, then. I'm just being well, truthfully honest there, Brad. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today and share a bit about your story and your journey with me and the Empowerography community. I am so honored and happy and proud to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. Now that you've shared your story with us, you are now part of the community. So thank you so much. I appreciate thank you. you. I'm I blessed appreciate you taking the time. It's It's been an absolute pleasure and... I mean, I'm sure we could go on into many, many more episodes of this, and maybe we'll have you back to talk about some other stuff um, in the future. But thank you. I appreciate you taking the time. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for asking me. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Kellyanne. She is the founder and CEO of Women's Empowerment Junkie podcast and Invincible Her Abuse Recovery Coaching. Thanks so much, Kelly. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you. You too, Brad. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.